Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me again this week, former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing great, Joe. I'm looking forward to talking about some of these awesome games that took place this weekend. Man, what a what a weekend, huh? Yeah, it feels like a, a, it was quite an action-packed weekend. Um, I got uh, the opportunity to go out and see three games. Uh, I feel like we could probably do a whole show on uh, each one of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was it was quite a, a, a action-packed weekend. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as always, uh, shoot us your questions or feedback by sending an email to NH high school sports at gmail.com or on twitter at nhhs sports uh, you can listen to the show every tuesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com um yeah nothing uh no uh i guess uh i'm trying now i can't think of the word bulletin items or, or announcements we got this week so we're just going to roll right into uh the the conversation here about uh about the games from last weekend um, you know, and as we talked about last week, um, especially in Division One, a big rivalry weekend. Uh, you had a lot of teams, um, you know, th- that are considered rivals. Uh, the big ones, Londonderry, Pinkerton, Exeter, Winniconnet, North South, Merrimack, BG, uh, Bedford, Goffstown, uh, Dover, Spalding, who actually played a night early, um, but they they got their game in over the weekend. So yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, where where do you want to begin? I'll, I'll let I'll let you uh, we're, we're figure out where we're going to start this week. Well, you the first game you saw was North South, I think. So why don't we go? You could go chronologically there with All what right. we took a look at. <laughs> Let's do that because that game. Uh, I like I said, I feel like we could do uh, you know a, a good hour on that game because there were uh, so many twists and turns. Um, you know, it was a game that came down to literally the last second. Um, actually beyond the last second of the game uh, to decide the winner in that one. Of course, Nashua South won uh, 43-42 on a two-point conver- two conversion after they had scored a touchdown with, uh, with no time left in that game. Um, really was just, I mean, the game it's, was entertaining up until that point, but then the ending was just, uh, was kind of bonkers. Um, you know, I haven't, haven't seen too many things like that you know, in in my my career covering uh, high school sports, I mean, I've seen some great finishes. Um, probably some finishes a little bit better than this one, but uh, this is definitely in the top ten in terms of um, you know high school football games that I've I've had a chance to see. Uh, you know, and it and it it didn't. I mean, it just looked kind of like early on that it was going to just be to some degree some kind of shootout in the sense that teams were going they were going back and forth on each other. You know, South got out to. Leads of seven nothing, fourteen seven. North came and you know every time they scored, North would come right back and score again. Uh, they tied it at fourteen, got an interception, made it twenty one fourteen. Stop South, made it twenty eight fourteen going or twenty seven fourteen going into halftime. Um, Panthers came out, scored on their first drive. They ended up scoring on all four of their possessions in the second half. Um, North only had three possessions. In the second half, they ran a total of 15 plays after halftime, which is just uh, – they hadn't had the ball for less than seven minutes um, in the second half. And, um, you know, I, there were kind of a couple of key moments um, that really turned the outcome of that game. And I'd say the first one was on the one drive in the second half that neither team scored a touchdown on uh, was North's second possession to start the fourth quarter. You know, they'd been moving the ball really well. Um, you know, they're, they're on their own, uh, 45 it's third and one, they run for no gain after the play, they get called for a personal foul. So instead of being fourth and one, it's now fourth and 16, they get called uh, another flag gets thrown. Uh, they're called for being off sides, uh, which, you know, cannot the call you you typically see on an offense. Uh, they move back another five yards, end up having to punt, um, you know, in that drive, like I said, it's the one that they didn't score on. It allowed South to take the ball and, and drive down the field and tie the game at 35. So that kind of let them – that, and that was really the only stop that South had after the first two um, – North's first two drives of the game. So that was a big momentum swing there. And then, um, you know, North goes up 42-35 uh, with 344 left. Um 
South nearly has disaster strike on the kickoff where, um, you know, North had been kicking it kind of short for most of the game. This one they kicked long. Uh, Lorenzo Abreu goes back to field it, and, and I'm, I don't remember exactly how what happened, but he somehow misjudged the ball, it, and it went by him um, and looked like it might stop uh, inside the five. Instead, it rolls into the end zone for a touchback. And uh-huh. South, South gets the ball at the 20 instead of their two or, you know, or worse. Right. Because um, that's a live ball then, too, um, once it goes, you know, as it's sitting there. Uh, oh, sure. So, yeah, so they catch a break there and then go on a, uh, what, do we, what did I have here, uh, a 14-play, 80-yard drive that takes up the rest of the game. Um, you know, they run out of, they use up all their timeouts. Uh, they take the last one with 25 seconds left. It's second and goal from uh, the north four. They pick up a yard. So it's third and, th- third and goal from the three. The clock is still running. Um, they hand off to Josh Campo, who scores on uh, scores a touchdown, but there's a flag. Um, South gets called for an illegal formation, and this, I, I believe, is from what I've been able to gather, is kind of the key here. If it had been a false start or or some kind of pre-snap penalty, uh, because there was no time left on the clock and South was out of timeouts, the game would have ended. Uh, but because it was a penalty after the play had started. Uh, North has to either accept or decline the penalty. Well, they're not going to not going to decline it because South scored a touchdown, so they take yep. the penalty. Um, South gets an untimed down now from the eight yard line. Compo gets the ball again. They score another touchdown. Uh, it's now forty two forty one, and um, South coach Scott Knight said afterwards there was no question that they they had decided before the drive that if they scored they were going to go for two because they hadn't stopped North uh, pretty much all game. So they line up, they go for two, give the ball to uh, Connor Rossell. He goes, uh, looks like he's about to fall at the two-yard line, manages to, to keep his balance, gets hit inside the one, reaches out with his left arm, and ball in his hand as he's, go- as he's going to the ground. The angle I had wasn't great, so I couldn't tell if he had crossed the, the goal line or not from there. Um, and then he ended up fumbling. Uh, but either way, the officials met. Uh, and and called the conversion good and South won. Um, just a, like I said, it was a, one of those finishes that uh, you know I don't ever know if I'll see that again. But it was it was crazy. Yeah, the, uh, like we've said, uh, um, you know, week one there were a couple of uh, amazing you know last second finishes, um, and we were talking about that Hollywood factor, right? Like, yeah, you know, if you had gone to see a movie. Uh, you know, you know the the typical high school football movie or whatever, right? And they always script out the uh, the incredible finish and the big game at the end of the movie. And you know, it's, it's fun to watch, but it's always kind of an eye roller, right? But like right. we've seen two or three of those already this year, and th- this might have been the most interesting one of all. I mean, yeah, it's you know, just, that Hollywood yeah. finish type of thing. It's the second game for the, for the, North. You know, you couldn't have scripted it that crazy. Right. It's the second game for North. It's come down to the wire. They had a they beat Merrimack two weeks ago on a on a last second field goal. Um, you know, and and this is, I mean, it was it was a game where, I mean, just some of the numbers coming out of it, the the stats were just kind of uh, almost as mind boggling as the finish was. I you know, Compo, I had. Um, 35 carries, 212 yards, and four touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Michael Rutstein, the, the South quarterback, had a 100-yard game as well, 111 yards, two touchdowns on 17 carries. Uh, and then for North, uh, North quarterback, uh, uh, oh, why am I f- I'm forgetting the young man's first name, Derek Finlay, uh, six of six passing, 228 yards and three touchdowns. His uh, his shortest completion of the day was 22 yards. Touchdown. Yeah, it just bombs yeah. away. Huh? Yeah, Six right. completions, 200 plus yards. And and three of those uh, passes and two of those touchdowns went to Jack Peters. Uh, three catches, 127 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, just a, a you know, unbelievable kind of uh, shootout, but but not really in the the typical sense because most of South's yards came on the ground. Um, yeah, almost 400 yards yeah. of it came on the ground. <laughs> um, you know, I, yeah, it, 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 it's crazy. I mean, the other stat that 
is really pretty interesting, and it, it kind of tells the story of that South, this weird South season, is is that they've given up more points than any other team in the state. I, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, in, in looking at some of the other teams, I, I you know mentioned in um, story I posted uh, Monday afternoon. You know, South has given up uh, 175 points, one more than than Franklin, um, which has been blown out. Um, in three of four games this year in, in Division Four, and then um, four more points uh, than Hollis Brookline, which is also, I mean, we, we talked a few weeks ago about that 77 point uh, showing that they're, they're, you know, that Lebanon had against them. Uh, right, back in, in week two. Week. Yeah, so they, I mean, and then, and then they allowed 50 um, to Sauhegan the week after. Uh, right. You know, so, so those are two teams that have been blown out a couple times. Meanwhile, you have South. That had, of course, they had a forty-three nothing loss to uh, to Londonderry, but um, you know, two other games where you know they were they were competitive at least for for a half plus, um, you know, and then and then next week, um, you know, will be a really interesting one where they uh, they play Bishop Girton, uh, another team that's been running the ball all over everybody, uh, putting up a, a good amount of points um, at times this year. And, uh, yeah, I was going to say, DG almost almost looks and sounds like a mirror image of of South. To, to, you know, to it's a kind degree, of yeah. it's kind of between like the quarterback and the tailback in the in the spread formation. It's like those are the guys that make the thing go. It's a lot of running. Um, it's it's only about two or three, maybe four guys that are touching the ball on offense. Yeah, um, they're not throwing it a ton. Um, yeah, so it's it's been. I mean, it'll be an interesting. I mean, that game, you know, like not the typical game that you would expect from from two spread teams, uh, but that game could be over in like I don't know an hour and forty five minutes if they're running the ball that much. Right, right. I don't know if you wanted to transition to Merrimack BG, but I got to watch a little yeah, bit of that. Yeah, um, um, that was another crazy game um, Saturday night. Not quite as crazy as that North South game, but but crazy in in the sense of just the number of points that were put up. Uh, yeah, you know BG with a a forty eight thirty five win, that um, you know at one point they led in that game thirty four to seven, early in the second half, and I mean Merrimack put up a good fight. Um, there was one point where it kind of felt like the tide was turning, but they just again like like South they couldn't get a stop. Uh, you know uh, Kip Jackson said afterward that they needed about four or five stops, and they got two. Uh, yeah. So I mean that was that was the big difference there. I thought. Yeah, I saw I, I saw that quote, and you know you, sometimes you know going into a game, you know you kind of kind of factor out like, hey, what what are we going to need to do to win this game? But you know, it, you know Merrimack gave up 200 yards rushing in the first half, um, and I, I think Bellavance you had it over 200 yards on. Again, it was kind of like. It was kind of like Josh Compo numbers. Very, very it was similar, very similar, yeah. right? Yeah. It was like it was like a, a few yards over 200 on almost 30 carries. Uh, Santos Rosso had 160, 170 yards on 15 carries. It was kind of the same, kind of again, very much a mirror image, which makes the the BG South matchup pretty compelling. Because then at the same time, there wasn't a lot of defense from Bishop Girton. Um, and and certainly, you know, we just commented on how South has struggled almost inexplicably. You, you know, I mean, it's not like they don't have good athletes, right? Right. Um, and 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 good, uh, you know, good strong kids playing in their front, but for whatever reason, they just haven't put the pieces together. But uh, but yeah, BG, uh, I got to see some of that, and you know, the BG's offensive line is, and I know you saw it too, right? BG's offensive line is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but they've got those two kids back there between Santa Soso and um, uh, I just said the running back saying Bellavance. Uh, Bellavance, yep, Charlie Bellavance. I mean, those are two big, physical, hard-running kids. Um, I mean, in a lot of the the quarterback runs that you see, it's not like some of these other spread offenses where you know they're making reads and he's pulling it. Uh, if he sees something on, on the backside or on the front side that he likes or whatever, I mean, a lot of it's like design quarterback stretch, you know, just like 
almost like wildcat type stuff, right? right. He, he catches the snap and he's off and running with the running back leading for him or something like that, right? I mean, they're just it's just like a double tailback offense almost. Yeah, it's it's been um, it, it's been really interesting to see them see the way you know way BG has kind of um, gone about things this year too, and and just going from that game, you know, I seen them two weeks ago against Salem where. You know, it just had that feel of, all right, I, man, man, we're winning this. Uh, let's just let's just try to keep doing this, and and hopefully it doesn't you know doesn't blow up in our faces. To, um, you know, this game where they they from almost from the get go they had a a confidence to them that, um, you know, I almost I almost feel like you haven't seen from from a BG program in a couple of years. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, that was really. Um, Really interesting to see. Also, just a you know, we talked earlier in the year about scheduling quirks. Um, that game Saturday was the first of five straight that BG is going to play at Stello Stadium because they play uh, north or south this week, north the following week, and both of those games are considered road games. That they're they're going to yeah. be the visiting team, um, and then they after that they go they play Pinkerton and then Alvern at home or at Stello. Right. So yeah, an interesting stretch where they you know they they get to stay in Nashua for the next month uh, and, and and play games at home. Um, yeah, which is kind of cool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, you know, also want to mention too, um, you know, for the Merrimack side of things in that game, um, Kyle Crampton had a big game uh, at quarterback. Uh, hit him for twenty-one of thirty-three, two hundred and two yards with uh, three touchdowns and a pick. Um, and and Shea Goodwin had a, a great game too. Uh, nine catches, 99 yards, two touchdowns, almost had a pick six. Uh, he did intercept uh, Santa Suazo's only pass of the game uh, he picked off and returned, I want to say it was to like the four-yard line. Um, and then um, another, oh, I'm going to, I can't find Well, in Merrimack, our game, Bishop Curry. Yeah, that well. was the, the interesting thing, too, was that they, they finished with more yards. I had him at 428 to BG's 420. Um and, uh, yeah, which means that Merrimack must have done a pretty good job rushing the ball too. Again, did. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see the whole stream, but I did, I did watch it. it. It looked like at times they were able to, you know, kind of pound their running game. You know, they, they've got a, a really, um, I forget the kid's name. Um, is it is it Mello? I will have it for you in Romello Hyde. Uh, he, yeah, he yeah, Romello, that's it. Yeah, I mean, 112 yards rushing uh, and two touchdowns. Yeah. And he's kind of a throwback, like, pounder-type player, you yeah. know. I mean, he's not a scat back. He reminds me more of, uh, you know, like a, like a classic fullback type, you know, just, just big, muscular, you know, his knees are always going type player. So he, he seemed to be giving BG some fits between the tackles at times. Well, yeah, he gives them a little bit of um, something I don't think they've had the last couple of years. He's a running back that... I mean, he's got good speed uh, for his size, but he's got size. Um, right. You know, and that's something I think Merrimack has kind of missed the last couple of years, um, you know, on on that side of the ball. Um, the one the one problem I, was uh, was ball security, I would say. Um, he did lose a fumble, um, and I think he had one other one as well. Um, and at times just looked like that was kind of something that, that, that they might need to work on there. Um, moving forward, uh, but other than that, I, yeah, I thought he had a great game, um, you know, for Merrimack, you know, and they've got, um, you know, they they've got a tough stretch coming up, um, or excuse me, just a, I, they've got a tough game next week coming up with uh, having to go to Pinkerton, um, and of course Pinkerton coming off um, a loss to Londonderry, probably not the time that you want to be getting um, getting the Astros for sure. Right. Right. Um, you know, and then the, uh, the third game that I got to see, uh, this past weekend was, uh, I can confirm, uh, Goffstown did not forget how to play football, um, during their two, two right. weeks off there, uh, despite what, what their, what coach, uh, Nick Hammond might, might have, might have had to say afterwards, uh, always, uh, always a perfectionist there. Uh, he did like the way the guys played, um, like did like their effort, but, um, he made it sound like there was a lot of things that, that when they went over film on Monday, they were going to uh, have a lot to talk about. Um, but, you know, I it was one of those, I mean, they came out, 
if there was any question as to how they were going to look after after missing two games um, due to other teams' um, COVID problems, um, they they pretty they put that to rest pretty quickly. Uh, you know, open the game with a long touchdown drive. Um, you know, and on the drive they confer- converted a fourth and one. Um, you know, Aaron Duvall uh, carrying the ball most of the way on that. He scored the touchdown on that drive, uh, and then. The guy that might be, I don't know, I haven't seen many kids um, in New Hampshire that, that look like this guy, uh, Peyton Strickland, uh, who uh, mostly plays tight end uh, on offense for them, actually got in at quarterback uh, for a little bit there and uh, threw a pass that was, I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen many uh, non-quarterbacks throw passes like that, uh, but it was a, a 50-yard bomb in their, their last drive before, uh, halftime but I mean he had what four catches for 134 yards and two touchdowns and one of the touchdowns was a slant uh, where he caught a short pass over the middle and I mean not only does he have the size but he's got the speed he outran everybody on Bedford uh, for a 73 yard touchdown and then the other touchdown was kind of a jump ball where he fights off two or three kids and uh, and just kind of plows his way into the end zone um like i said yeah haven't and seen that's not a phrase you hear uttered very often and over the last decade is somebody out running a bedford team into the end zone. right 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 i mean bedford has been a lot of different things over the past 10 to 12 years but slow has never been one of them no, <laughs> right? and, and that may not be to say that they're slow this year but it's just if if gosstown has that kind of speed with guys like uh duval and strickland and 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 so forth right i mean that's 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 pretty telling yeah, I I mean, I I'm gonna. This is gonna sound uh, maybe a little outlandish, um, but you know, one of the one of the first teams football teams that I really covered back in when I was in college, uh, went to Pitt. Uh, my senior year uh, was the the last year that Larry Fitzgerald was there, and most of Pitt's offense that year was run the ball for negative two yards, run the ball for a yard throw the ball up into triple coverage and hope that Larry comes down with it. Uh, and, 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 and more often than not, that worked. Uh, and I, I mean, not to say that, 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 you know, Strickland is, is going to be like, you know, Larry Fitzgerald in college. Um, but that's kind of just the, the, you know, I, I remember that's kind of was fun to watch, you know, fun to see a guy just go up and fight for a ball like that. And, uh, and, and more often than not come down with it. And I kind of feel like that's the way, you know, that, that he's, uh, you know, he kind of plays that, that, you know, he had, there were a couple of times where he had just got guys draped on him and he went up and w- was able to make a catch. Um, yeah. and that's, that's fun to watch. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when guys can compete like that for the ball, I mean, it's a heck of a lot different than just, Hey, you know, it hit me in the hands. I caught it. You know, I mean, you know, it stings me a little bit though, that, that the theme was Gosstown definitely didn't forget how to play football. Cause I- I've got to be honest, you're going back to, taking a bath in pigskin profits on my prediction again, my predictions again. But, uh, I mean, that was almost solely why I, I chose, and I'm not making excuses for myself here. I'm just, I'm just kind of say it, right? Like right. that was almost solely why I picked Bedford over Goffstown. I kind of shrugged and said, you know, Hey, Bedford's been kind of on a little roll here. Um, and, and Goffstown is going to have to shake off two weeks of, you know, not having any kind of game speed action. I mean, it doesn't really matter how well you practice. Again, this is my rationale, right? I'm like, you can't make up for, for missing, you know, a couple of games here. And then, uh, boy, you know, talk about being wrong um, and, and, being, uh, and being in the spot to admit it, right? I mean, it, it, it's uh, they must have just really been able to keep themselves sharp. And that's a real credit to Coach Hammond and his staff. I mean, that's, yeah. it's got to be really hard to have essentially two bye weeks in a row. It stinks sometimes just to have one bye week and and go in and try to, you know, keep the kids fresh and, you know, game speed kind of things and, and whatever you got to do to make that happen and, and not have the kids get rusty or, or kind of, you know, kind of um, not soft, but you know what I mean, sort of not up to, to sharpness and um, whatever they did to keep the kids fresh and to keep them at game speed. I mean, that's just an awesome coaching job, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two other guys for Goffstown I want to mention, too. Um, their quarterback, Josh Webb, 
had a nice day, 8 of 12, 167 yards and two touchdowns and an interception. And then uh, on defense, um, uh, Rob Goody, who is in his first year playing football. Uh, he's been a standout uh, basketball player for Goffstown, um, playing football now. Uh, he had two of the five interceptions uh, for the Grizzlies on, on two really nice plays, too. Um, you know, plays that are, are were kind of just like pure athlete, you know, a guy who, you know, is, is used to competing in another sport, just going out and making a play. Um, so those were really, really two nice plays. And, and kind of, you know, at the time they were they were kind of drive killers. Well, they were drive killers for Bedford. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you mentioned, you know, trying to figure out which, you know, picks this way or that way. We'll say, too, that, um, you know, nothing was really confirmed, um, but there was some, you know, news that came out of bed for this week that there were kids in the school that that were out um either with covid or quarantining with covid so you got to imagine that 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 affected uh the football team in some way um you know i'm i'm sure that there there were kids uh you know i don't know how many um but some somebody was probably missing uh that you know maybe plays a key role or or just you know affects the depth chart depth chart in some way um you know, so not not to to make excuses, uh, but you know, maybe yeah, no, maybe that's not part of the. Strength, I, I mean, yeah. depth is a big part of the game. Yeah, um, especially when you know, you, you if you lose key guys, and it's you know, sometimes it's, you don't have the whole week's notice, right? Whether it's an injury or a sickness or whatever, it can be hard to plug other guys in and you know maintain the cohesiveness. So I I, I think I think that's a you know, it's it's likely to be a story as the season wears on with different teams. Um, you, you know, I want to pick on something that you said there, though, and I, I don't mean in a bad way, but like talking about uh, is it Bagudi? Is that the yeah, name of the yes. the guy that came out from yep. the basketball team? That's his name. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I love hearing stuff like that, right? Because you know, I, I you know, looking at football across the last ten or fifteen years, experiencing it as a coach. Um, one of the things that I always found frustrating was that was when you had really great athletes in, in schools, whether it was the school that I was coaching in or, or schools, other schools that we were competing against, and you knew that there were athletes playing other sports in those in those schools, and they weren't going out and playing football, right? They were they were doing basketball year round, or they were playing fall baseball, or whatever the heck it was, right? And and it just it used to drive me crazy. And there were so many good stories uh, where guys came out from other sports to play football in the fall that, that just like just like this instance, right, had never really played before. You know, the beautiful thing about football, it's not one of those sports that you have to play from when you're eight years old to have yeah. a chance to be any yeah. good at it. It really isn't. It's not one of those sports. And I think there's a lot of really great athletes if uh, – you know, if if they if they would if they would take the risk to try something else different, and try to help your football team out or whatever, right? I mean, those guys. A lot of times, these guys come out and they do make a huge difference on on teams like 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 this guy did with Goffstown. So that's a great story to hear, and I'm I'm really glad. And it's like I said, there's been other instances across the last several years where. You know, oh, you hear this guy came out from the lacrosse team, or oh, they they got this guy out from this, and you know, you don't lock yourself into that one sport. Right. You can go out, you can play a sport like football, and you can still be successful. And you don't have to have played it before, right? It, it's not one of those fine skill games where, like, if you're not playing soccer since you were three years old, you're going to get left behind, yeah, right? It's, yeah. it's a, you don't you it, don't know it's, how it's to a stay. different animal. You can go out there, be a great competitor, right? And you can make a difference right away. Yeah, you don't start skating when you're two years old. You're, you know, you're never going to be able to play hockey or whatever. You know that kind of right. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's right. It, it, it's not. I mean, not to say it's not a, a sport that requires skill. I mean, certainly, but it's just you don't have to be playing it for your whole life to compete right. at a high level. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely been been guys in other sports that I've looked at over the years and said. You know, man, imagine what this kid would look like as a, you know, receiver, tight end, or, or you know, in a, you know, defensive back or something like that. Yeah, I, I definitely, it, yeah, and you, you, there's been guys too. I, I agree. There's, there's been plenty of guys. Actually, um, one guy that comes to mind that I, I, you know, really thought was, uh, 
was it was great to see him come out and play right actually the year before you got you took over at Sauhegan was was Brandon Len who came out yes, from yes a, that's a that's one of the examples yeah. that was stuck in my head he came out was a star basketball player there at Sauhegan and came out his senior year and um just I, I mean he huge really, difference maker yeah he he was he because yeah. they they needed another guy another skill guy and he came and gave that to them and yeah, that that turned into a, a really great year for them. Yeah, it, it, it's it's awesome. I think my my big point there is that you know, uh, if any players are listening to this, right, talk to those guys in your school, right. A lot of times they've been convinced that, oh no, you know, if you want to get a scholarship or you want to do this or you don't want to get hurt or whatever, you know, you don't want to play any other sport. You got to stick with, you know, playing baseball year round or playing soccer year round or whatever it is, right. It's it's just not the case, right. It's not. There's so, there's so much fun to be had doing multiple sports. And, again, I, I didn't mean to go on a huge tangent, but I, I just think that's a nice story. No, we, we, will, we, we can always go on, on uh, how, how key multi-sport athletes are or how important it is to be a multi-sport athlete on a, at any time. That's a tangent I'm willing to go out on. Absolutely. Um, but, let's yeah, let's get back to the football, though. <laughs> so we you know we, the, the two games we haven't talked about in division one uh were the two games that were uh undefeated teams matching up um one over in Derry where you had uh londonderry beating pinkerton 21 to 10 uh in front of uh what i've seen was an estimated crowd of six thousand people uh i saw that <laughs> which just is is kind of mind-boggling um, and you know, can you, I just, I, I had a hard time getting out of Stello's stadium Friday night with, with the traffic there. And I mean, there weren't, there were maybe a couple thousand people, but not six. I can't imagine what it was like trying to get out of, uh, out of Pinkerton, uh, Friday night afterwards. Um, but just that, that, you know, that, that's what's really what I think we missed a lot of last year, right. Was just these crowds like this and, and just seeing that back is such a, an exciting thing. And then. And then look at Londonderry now. You know they they go, what, um, almost seventeen, eighteen years uh, without beating Pinkerton, and now they've won four in a row against the Astros. Yeah, yeah, and I, that that was probably the toughest game to call of the week. You know, I mean, it, I felt like there wasn't enough. And I don't know why I felt this way. I just felt like there wasn't enough solid data on either team to be able to say. Oh yeah, this is definitely, you know, I could see Londonderry having the edge in this game, or I could see Pinkerton, you know, having the edge in this game. So that was a really tough one to call. But you know, I guess it shouldn't surprise us, right? We've been talking since the preseason about, you know, Londonderry having numbers way up, um, and and that they've kind of grown themselves into the into that coveted reload, uh, not rebuild sort of phase of a program, right? Where you just, you have a pipeline of guys that are, that are coached up and ready to go that come in behind that graduating class. And that's been the story the last two or three years for Londonderry is that they really have been able to weather the, uh, the graduation element and, and just kind of reload with guys. Um, and even though the guys aren't the same type of people, right, they might have kind of pounder backs one year they might have more scat back type guys another year or whatever right they they always sort of are able to 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 build around the type of people they have and maintain their success you know this was supposed to be a down year for them though like compared to how they from what i was told um you know they don't have a ton of seniors this year they've got guys that are more experienced um so yeah so much (laughs) so much for that down year uh, you yeah, know, they're, they're yeah, sitting, that's exactly what I mean. It it, it never materialized yeah, that way. Yeah, they're they're four and zero, one of two four and zero teams in, in the division. Um, you know, it looks like defensively they've been playing um, close to lights out. You know, they they've only only given up um, twenty nine points all year. Um, yeah, to to, uh, to to some pretty quality opponents. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they shut out a Nashua South team that had scored. Uh, 36 points the week before against against Salem. So yeah, um, yep. you know, and then um, you know, for for Pinkerton, um, they you know they had a lead in that game. They were up 10-7 at halftime, and then uh, couldn't find the end zone in the second half. They got big games from from Jake Albert and uh, and uh, oh, why am I forgetting his forgetting his first name? Uh, Cole Yenico, 
uh, both, I believe, over 100 yards rushing. Um, or excuse me, no, uh, Albert was, was a little dinged up, um, but had had over 100 yards in previous games this year. So, um, yeah. you know, and, and like, like we said earlier, they, they go uh, back home or return, uh, have another game in Derry, and then, then we'll play Merrimack um, this week. And London Derry has a, an afternoon, Saturday afternoon game against Alvern on the schedule. Um, don't know yet. You know whether what the case is going to be with that game because Alvern had to cancel its game uh, this past week with Salem uh, due to some COVID concerns. Not sure yet what uh, what that means for this week's game, um, but uh, yeah. keep an eye on that one if it's one you're planning on going to. Uh, but then the other the other big game of the weekend, uh, at least in Division One, you had uh, Winnicott at, at Exeter. Uh, two more undefeated teams, Exeter, another team that had had a, a week, extra week off, um, you know, for having a game canceled. Uh, and then this one, um, you know, if you like the offense that was uh, all these other games we've been talking about, you probably weren't going to like this one. Uh, a 14-7 win for Winniconnet, uh, where the only scoring in the second half was the Warriors going on a 14-play, 68-yard, 8 minutes and 40-second drive to start the third quarter where they scored to make it 14-7. So a um, lot of defense in this game. I, I think I saw that, what, Exeter had just 73 yards total uh, in the game and just 14 in the second half. Um, oh. So, I mean, kind of – I mean, I, I will say, though, that's I mean that's kind of close to what we might have expected, I think, from this game. You know, two teams that are, are physical, that um, run the ball a lot. Uh, and and that played pretty good defense. Yeah, and I think the other thing to note there too, you know, is like Exeter runs that that full house T offense, which I really like. Right, I think it's very contrarian. I mean, I, I personally, as a coach, I wouldn't I wouldn't have the patience to run that. And and I don't and I mean that as a compliment to coach to coach Ball and his staff. Right, I, I think it takes a very very unique mindset. It's a very contrarian offense. Right with four wide type gun offenses that you see or, or wing T type offenses that are very wide open, misdirectiony, right? I mean, to, to pack it in like that and, uh, and power at people takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of toughness. It takes a lot of physicality. Um, and, and so I always admire those, those type of offenses, but I think the thing that's tough for Exeter in these Winnicunit matchups sometimes is that, you know, it is a contrarian offense, but if your rival, you know, sees it year after year after year, I mean, you can you you know that those guys are really studied up on the intricacies of how that straight T works, right? You know, hey, if, if they're going to block down here, we're going to squeeze that, and if they're going to you know try to kick out here, we're going to do this and all that kind of stuff, right? So, I would imagine that if if you've got a really a year where you've got a pretty good defense like Winnicott has this year and you can get really well coached up during that week, it, it can be tough to run that because now you're just you're really banging your head into a brick wall, snap after snap after snap. And uh, it, it almost sounds like that's what happened, right? Like Winnicott's got a good, talented defense. You know, they're very familiar with that offense. Um, they've been seeing it for decades. Um you know, I mean, they they were running the T back when I was coaching at Merrimack in Division Two in 2002, for example, right? So, um, you know, you you can get pretty good at the little intricacies, the little keys and reads that you need, the different angles that you need to take, and and places you need to fill, et cetera. And it it can be tough sledding if you've got your your defense coached up well against that. It's hard to do, but man, if you if you can do it because you're familiar enough with it, um, it can be tough sledding. Yeah, um, you know it'll be. Uh, I believe. Uh, oh, of course. Now I, I keep my, my the right windows open here. I'll tell you what what uh, each team has coming up. Exeter um, travels to Manchester Memorial uh, on Friday uh, to play a Memorial team that hasn't played in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, and then Winnicott, uh they host Dover in what should be an interesting. Um, interesting matchup and they're in a pretty tough stretch probably the well this is the meat of their season here you know they, they finish up with Exeter last week 
Got Dover coming up this week, and then they go on the road to play Portsmouth uh, the following week, and then they go to Goffstown uh, October 16th for uh, a Saturday afternoon game and what uh, – you know what should be an interesting one. Uh, of course, that was the a semifinal matchup last year that that Gosstown won. So I'm sure yeah. that uh, Winnicott's had that date uh, circled on their calendar for quite some time. Yeah, and, and and they could have their hands filled with Dover this coming week. I mean, Lopez Sullivan had another huge game this weekend against Spalding. It was a 45 nothing win. Yeah. Um, I mean, they took the opening kickoff back 80 yards for a touchdown, uh, you know, to, to start it off. So <laughs> they, they did that and never looked back, it sounded like. But uh, yeah, it, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether that that transition for that Winnicott defense can happen quickly, right? You just spent a whole week gearing up for having a knife, uh, you know, a knife fight in a phone booth, essentially, <laughs> against Exeter, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. just really just bloodying your nose and buckling your helmet up and going back and bloodying your nose again. Now you've got to deal with some wide open, uh, you know, wide open looks from, from Dover and all the weapons that they have. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can make that quick transition. Right. Well, not just, I mean, not just Dover, but, but Portsmouth runs a similar kind of offense. I think they run the ball a little bit more than, than Dover will. And then Goffstown, same thing. Um, it's a, but at the, and that's probably even more balanced than either of those other two teams. Um, yep. And Portsmouth had a nice uh, 48-28 win against Concord uh, on Saturday where, um, you know, they needed to pull away in the second half of that one. They were down 21-14, um, you know, late in the late in the first half uh, and scored 27 straight points to, to pull that one out. Um, you know, they've had a, a gotten a great year out of uh, Will, Will Hindle, um, their, their starting quarterback. He's had a fantastic year, and he had three touchdowns um, and two more passing in that game against Concord. So, yeah, it'll be uh, – it, 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 that's an interesting stretch coming up there for Winnicott, like just because you said that just the difference in styles from, uh, from yeah. what they've seen um, so far this year. And then, um, you know, we, we talked about undefeated matchups. Um, had a couple in Division Two there, but but probably the, the biggest one was that uh, Timberlane at Plymouth game that, um, you know, not, not too many teams go up to Plymouth and, and come away with a win, but uh, but Timberlane did uh, beat in Plymouth 28-13. Yeah, and it, it was a pretty decisive win from what I saw. I was able to watch it. You know, they they have their broadcast um, that they do pretty regularly for home games up there. And I was able to catch a good chunk of that game on the broadcast. And, um, you know, I, I got to tell you, Timberlane, they really look good. I mean, I haven't seen uh, Lebanon yet. I know you have, um, but to me, Timberlane looks like a team that, that we got to start talking about being a legitimate contender for division two as well, because um, they did a lot of really nice things. Um, you know they could run the ball really well. They they their offensive line uh, is pretty good. I mean they're not a big bulky offensive line. They have good size, but they're more athletic. You know they they can they can grind the ball when they need to, and they can pull and do all kinds of athletic things when they need to too. So um, I was pretty impressed with Timberlane on both sides of the ball. Um, I, I thought that their uh, their running back uh, is a dumb. Calera, I believe so. Yes, that sounds right. Is uh, a good, tough runner. Uh, you know, he he had 120 yards on just 15 carries, and then they have um, Dom Capetta, who's the quarterback, um, who's really a running threat himself. I mean, he only carried the ball 10 or 11 times for 80 yards, but you know, they picked their spots with him, and when he did pull it and run, um, you know, he was very successful doing it. Um, and then I think, you know, the other part of that story, from again, from what I saw, was that um, Plymouth was uncharacteristically sloppy. Um, you know, I mean, there were there were penalties speckled throughout the first half. Um, you know, a pretty costly uh, personal foul penalty, which I think was a kind of a late hit out of bounds type of thing. Um, you know, they had a they had an encroachment penalty at one point that kept a drive going. Uh, they got the ball back down I think maybe they were down 14 at that point but you know they got the ball back with about a minute and a half left and, and they were trying to run some misdirection stuff um, you know c- kind of counter reversey type stuff with with double handoffs and um, you know they put one of those on the ground 
Um, so, so, I mean, just some uncharacteristic sloppiness from Plymouth, I don't think, helped them. But it, it, it really did look like Timberlane was the better team from what I saw. I mean, they were, they were physical. They executed really well. And, and offensively, they could move from, you know, being in the shotgun and, uh, and running a lot of, uh, like I said, sort of gap scheme stuff where the linemen were moving and pulling to lining up with three backs in the backfield and like a power eye and just cranking the ball straight ahead and, and not doing anything sexy other than just, you know, coming off the ball and mashing people's faces. And, uh, <laughs> and they did both of that really well. They could, they could do them both. That makes them pretty dangerous, I would say, heading into the stretch here. Yeah. Um, you know, Timberlane, uh, they'll turn around and, and, and play a team that was undefeated up until this uh, this past week in Guilford, Belmont. And then uh, Plymouth heads to Kennett, which uh, which got its first win of the year last week over, over Merrimack Valley. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's kind of a good spot for, uh, for Plymouth to um, bounce back in. Um, but you never, you know, I mean, Kennett's a, a rival, has been for a while, so... Y- you never know with those games, but yeah, they, like I mentioned, uh, Guilford Belmont, um, they dropped their first game of the year uh, on Saturday to uh, to Lebanon, who is uh, now four and zero. That was a forty eight thirteen win for Lebanon, and kind of I, I mean we talked about them, you know, both teams being undefeated um, going into that game, but I think we kind of thought that that you know that might be the the case that Lebanon's able to put up some points. Um, you know they'd faced a little bit of a tougher schedule, I think, to start the year. It sounds like, uh, you know, they were able to get off to a good start. C.J. Childs uh, scores three minutes in. They get up twenty-eight nothing on on another, tu- you know, with uh, him scoring another touchdown. Touchdown from Jackson Stone. Um, you know, it looks like um, Cole Shambo had a pretty good day too. Um, you know, so that that's a team Lebanon that. Um, I, you're, yeah, I did see them last week against Milford, and, and for most of that game, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Um, but when they were able to get going in the right direction, uh, man, they look like a team that's going to be really tough uh, for anyone in D2 to beat. And, um, you know, this week they get a, uh, a Sauhegan team that's, um, you know, coming off a tough loss to Bo, uh, 29-26, um, you know, that um, – just from what I've seen from each team, I, I think Sauhegan's going to have a hard time in that game just because the size difference is, is, is a big one. Lebanon has some really good size, um, and, and you know, Sauhegan might be able to match their speed, but, um, you know, they're going to have a tough time with, uh, with maybe some more physical play. Yeah, and I, I don't know whether Sauhegan's had a chance to get healthy this week or not. I know that they had lost a, a lineman or two. Um, one of them had gone down in the, in the Milford Sauhegan game. It was, it was probably one of their, their bigger uh, offensive and defensive linemen. Um, so I, I hope he's getting well, but yeah, no, I mean, Sauhegan's, Sauhegan's definitely built more on, on speed and athleticism this year than, than, uh, than having the big, the big beefy bodies up front. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough matchup no matter who you are. Um for, for Lebanon from what I've heard, right? Especially if, if they've got that combination of size and speed across the board. I mean, hey, you know, uh, I'm not a math major, but, but that, that's a pretty good one plus one equals yeah, two right yeah. there. I mean, that's what, that's what your magic formula is in football. Um, and, and I, I you know, again, I, I kind of saw the same thing from Timberlane. They may not have that size, but they're strong and athletic up front. Um you know that that would be a very interesting matchup. Um, you know, we're talking about some injuries too, and I think Milford. Uh, you know, we mentioned that them and that loss to Lebanon, they they bounced back with a thirty-eight fourteen win over Hollis Brookline in in a game I believe that was thirty-eight nothing um, to start out. But from what I understand, they were without um, Caden Salinsky in that game. Uh, looks like he may be out for a couple of weeks at least. So that's a tough loss for them, especially with uh, with a bow team that, uh, like we said, got its. Got its first win last week. Um, they're coming into Milford Friday night too, uh, so that that's kind of probably the other interesting uh, matchup to keep an eye on uh, in Division Two this week. Um, yeah, especially with two teams with a similar style, right? I mean, you want Zelensky for that game where you're going against another team that's sort of predicated on power, right? Milford's kind right. of known for power running style. Bo is certainly known for that. Um, Zelensky's a good back, 
he's a big, powerful kid. Uh, that's a shame. I hope he gets well. Yeah, that was that's a tough loss for them. Um, you know, and they're going to need him with some of the, you know, some tough games coming up um, still down the stretch. Um, you know, and then uh, Division Three, we had another uh, matchup of undefeated teams, and uh, a game that was uh, maybe a little closer than I think some people might have expected uh, between Campbell and Trinity, both coming in at three and zero. Trinity picks up a, a fourteen to nothing win over the Cougars. Um, but, you know, just, I guess just going off of scores, you know, looking at who, you know, who's played who and, and how things shape up, you know, I thought Trinity was definitely the favorite going into that game. And I might've said they, you know, they could have won by a couple of touchdowns, but, um, you know, 14, nothing win. I mean, that kind of, it makes me look at Campbell and say, all right, maybe they're, you know, they've got some, I did see them a couple of weeks ago against Conval in a, a really low scoring kind of slugfest type of game. Um, so, you know, that makes me think maybe they're you know, making some changes, some adjustments, heading in a different direction. Uh, we'll find out a little bit in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, this this week they play at Winnesquam, who's uh, been struggling this year. Uh, and then they have back-to-back games with uh, Monadnock at home, and then they go <laughs> make the long drive from Litchfield to Pelham to, to play the Pythons there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think you could never really count Campbell out. I mean, they've been a perennial power for a decade now, and and, and you know, we've seen them have what we might consider ups and downs. But the reality of it is, they've been very competitive. They're they're they've always got good athletes on their roster, and they they find a way to get some of these younger guys going pretty early in their career. You know, um, in terms of some of the backs that we've seen come out of there the last few years, it's 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 just a it's it's really a good football school at this point. So yeah, I guess yeah. it doesn't surprise me that that game was tight. Um, I'm still not really clear on, on on what to expect coming out of D3, though. I mean, I think there's like a, a couple clear runaway teams that we always mention, but then you know the rest of it seems a, a little tighter. Yeah, I think um, I think what we can expect right now is that Pelham. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Pelham uh, talk. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, you know, they, they had that huge win over Conval um, this past week. Um, you know, they you know they don't hit that stretch of probably the top teams until another week. Um, actually, Trinity is the team. Trinity-Monadnock play this week at Monadnock. Then Trinity and Pelham That's play the game. following week. Um, and then Pelham and Campbell. So there's a bunch of games coming up that are, are really going to, you know, separate the teams, um, I think, in the division. Uh, you know, and, and maybe kind of show us where, you know, right now you look at the standings and those four teams would be the playoff teams if you started playoffs now, Pelham, Trinity, Monadnock, Campbell, in that order. Uh, Laconia is right there too, uh, just a game behind. Um, you know, but but I think maybe those four uh, might be your teams that are going to be, you know, battling it out uh, for those four playoff spots. Um, but, I mean, I mean, just Pelham, I you know, I saw somebody kind of, you know, chirping at their their Twitter account this week. Oh, why don't you move up to D two then? It's like, you know, they were in D two and it wasn't their choice to move down. Um, you know, they moved down based on enrollment. I'm sure you know they could have petitioned up, but you know, it's not like they were. You know, they were winning championships in D two. So, um, you know, hopefully, oh. if if they're if they're going to continue on, that maybe you know, maybe hopefully they are able to maybe move back up and 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 kind of challenge themselves. Um, in D2, but I mean, you know, based on enrollment, that's kind of where they belong. Yeah, and to be fair, right, if you go back a decade, uh, which to me doesn't seem like that long ago, but if you go back to like 2011, 2012, you know, Pelham did move up. They they petitioned up. They had been very successful in Division 4, I think. And they petitioned up to three. If I if, if I I'm getting my history think, correct, right? I think they I, I went think from they, five. They petitioned up. I don't think yeah. that they they were enrolled. Well, they, you're right. They they went from five. I think they were in Division Five, and they jumped up to three. Correct. It was five yeah. to three, and 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 it was it was really in retrospect kind of a, a tragic mistake. You know, I mean, the program went through um, some really tough years yeah. where. You know, it, it compounded, right? They started losing, and then they started not getting numbers out. And I remember going over there uh, when I was coaching at Hollis Brookline, and you know, we had just beaten Sauhegan thirty-five to nothing, 
the week before, and then we rolled into uh, into Pelham, and they had 17 kids yeah, on their so. entire roster. And 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 I and I don't mean this to sound arrogant or anything. It, it's actually it's kind of sad, right? Like part of our game planning process was like, look, how do we just how do we just not embarrass this program? You know, right. like. Um, you know, we don't want to go out there and just like completely demoralize these guys. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's not, you know, what you want to do to a struggling program. And anyway, my point is that they're, you know, they, I think they've tried that game before and, and, you know, there's probably some, some still leftover painful lessons for the administration there. We say, Hey, look, you know, if we get put in a certain division, that's where we're going to play, right? That's where our enrollment numbers say we should be just because we have a really great football team this year or last year or maybe even next year doesn't mean that we can maintain that. You know, when your enrollment numbers are are low, you know, you don't know what kind of football pipeline you're going to have. You work like heck to try to keep it up, but that could fall out from under you at any time. And you petition up with a two-year deal, you know, sometimes that that can be very dangerous for a program. And And it takes a long time to get a football program back up. You know, Pelham, worked really hard to build that program back up. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I get it. I, I know it can be frustrating when it looks like you got one team that's just going to steamroll everybody and it's a, you're a lower division team. It's like, hey, why the heck don't you guys move up? Hey, you know, good for you. Yeah, you beat it. Well, you know what? That's where they belong right now. Yeah, they they definitely deserve a lot of credit over there for, for being able to build that back up and get it to where it is yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Heck yes. That's not an easy thing to do. (laughs) Not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort and perseverance and, you know, sticking to your system and what you believe in. And, uh, you know, I, Hey, I think they've done that and they get, they deserve every ounce of, uh, every ounce of success that they're earning these last couple of years. Um, you know, while we, we talked about the, those teams uh, kind of separating themselves in D3, it looks a little bit like maybe the same thing is, is happening uh, in D4 as well. Um, harder to tell, you know, with what with uh, each team having a bye week and, and a couple of, uh, or, or excuse me, one team, uh, one game getting canceled. So it's the standings are a little uh, still shaken out, I think, a little bit. You know, you got Newport and Epping Newmarket, though, at the top there, both undefeated. Um you know, not don't play each other for a couple of weeks still. Actually, I believe um, it'll be two weeks from this week. It looks like Newport has the bye this week. Uh, excuse me, three weeks. I'm sorry. Newport has a bye. They play Raymond the following week and then Epping Newmarket. And then meanwhile, Epping Newmarket's coming off a bye. They play Raymond this week, then Muscoma, and then they're at Newport. So, yeah, that's um, – and then Raymond, they're, they've kind of put themselves right in the mix there too. Um along with fall mountain um and um oh and, and another team as well summersworth yeah summersworth <laughs> is two and one yeah, two and one as well so you know those teams uh look like they're going to be kind of battling it uh out as we come down the stretch here um yeah so it's it, you know, yeah kind I, of a kinda... fun story out of uh summersworth um y- you know it was kind of a no contest game against bishop brady this past saturday uh, I think the score was 58 to seven, but you know one of the interesting things that I had read was Jeff DeCorn, who I believe is the Summersworth quarterback, yeah. um, scored three touchdowns, but uh, but two of those were defensive okay. touchdowns. Yeah. It was yeah. two interception returns for touchdowns, yeah. two pick sixes for DeCorn. So yeah. and one was, you know, usually uh, you think, hey, I was just Jeff DeCorn was... scored three touchdowns. Oh, it was probably you know two rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown or whatever, but he actually had more more TDs uh, on pick sixes than he had on the offensive side of the ball. One was 85 yards, uh, combined 130 yards in interception return yardage there. Um, yeah, probably had more yards on the interception returns than he did maybe rushing the ball. Right. <laughs> right. So that's always kind of a fun story. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, any plans uh, on, on hitting anything up uh, this weekend, or is there a game that you're kind of uh, you got your eye on as as we get ready for for uh, the upcoming weekend? You know, I don't know. There, there's a there's a lot of good matchups this weekend, and I I, I, I haven't really figured out if I'm going to be able to get to one yet. You know, I'd really like to go see Milford Bow because uh, I haven't seen Bow this year, and um, 
and, and obviously Milford's sort of close to where I live, so that's a that's one that I could go to. But I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it to that one. What about you? Well, I am uh, Friday night. My plan is uh, to head up BG and Nashua South. Um, was kind of uh, this was a weekend I was kind of playing by ear, you know, just just waiting and seeing kind of what was going to shape up. Um, I think my Saturday is still kind of up in the air just uh, because of just a couple of uh, moving, you know, different games. Um, what might end up happening with, um, you know, who who's uh, actually able to play this week. Um, but definitely want to do that one Friday night. I think that's going to be an interesting one. Um, like we said, just because of the, the rushing attacks from both teams. Um, and you know what? Both teams, one thing we didn't mention earlier too, both teams have a lot of guys playing both ways. Uh, you know, so how does that kind of, uh, affect things too, or, you know, does somebody get worn down a little faster yeah. than someone else? So, yeah, yeah is there a conditioning element that comes right, into play yeah, there? Yeah, so that's going to be that's my plan for Friday night. Yeah, I'm hoping I get to I get to see something. It's been it's been a little crazy this year with my own uh, little coaching endeavors. I think I told you I feel like I'm coaching more now than I was when I was <laughs> coaching high school. Between my two boys doing football and you know being involved in all that it's like man i gotta i gotta try to squeak in these uh these high school games where i can fit them we might have to start doing a a, a, a like a two-minute roundup on uh on the lockman boys uh football programs there where how their how their teams are doing yeah I, you know i don't <laughs> want to put anybody to sleep <laughs> fair enough <laughs> uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up for the week no, it was. I mean, I think this 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 weekend ended up being almost everything we expected it to be with all those rivalry games. You know, I mean, Absolutely. some some close finishes, some great defensive battles across the state, uh, some great offensive, explosive type games uh, across the state. I mean, uh, it, it, it's one of those weekends we always look forward to, and it, it really didn't disappoint. So. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of a lot of fun. It it was as as advertised. Well. Uh... He is Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for joining me. Yeah. I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.